0: Hi everybody, you're listening to a special episode of the SEA Podcast, a show brought to you by members of the Specialty Coffee Association. My name is Vicente Partida. On June 3rd, an unexpected eruption of the Fuego Volcano in Guatemala killed more than a hundred people and caused many more to evacuate. Guatemala is home to tens of thousands of smallholder coffee farms, many of which have been directly affected. A few weeks ago, Kim Elena Ianescu, SCA's Chief Research Officer, spoke to Alejandro Molina, Sustainability and Market Access Coordinator at ANACAFé, Guatemala's National Coffee Association. They spoke about the eruptions and of what will be required to rebuild the lives and businesses of the farmers affected. We recorded their telephone conversation for the podcast, so let's take a listen. The telephone audio is a little fuzzy at the beginning, but please stick with us gets better, and the conversation is definitely worth it. So here is Kim Elena Llanescu speaking to Alejandro Molina. Thanks for being here,
1: Alejandro. Thank you, Kim, for the opportunity to speak uh, on behalf of the National Coffee Association and the uh, uh, situation regarding the Volcan de Fuego eruption.
2: Yeah. So, you know, the, could you give a little bit of background to our listeners on the volcanic eruption? Uh, it's been a couple months now, and I'm not sure how much everyone will know about how many people were affected or the land that was affected or or what role this, this has with coffee. So can you start with a little background?
1: So on on Sunday, June 3rd at 12 p.m., the Volcán de Fuego erupted, and uh, it's located, for us coffee folks, would be in the Antigua coffee region in Guatemala. It left uh, behind 100 13 people dead, uh, 332 missing. This is uh, according to Conred, which is our National Disaster Relief Coordination. And coffee-wise, the the effect was 5,098 coffee families affected, 9,420 hectares of fertile coffee land, and that's about 1.27% of the exportable exportable coffee for the 1819 coffee harvest.
2: Wow. And, you know, at the time you mentioned us coffee people, I saw a fair amount of response over the Internet, on social media, fundraisers by different coffee companies and individuals and groups of people for families affected by the volcanic eruption. Um, Can you speak to that a little bit? What was the coffee community's response?
1: Well, we have actually been really pleased and, and feel, uh, really fortunate for, for the support of the coffee community and how everybody has come together. Um, we've seen people from, from individuals to companies have been continuously reaching out to us, um, donating money financially, um, sending, um, obviously their regards with the situation and just been very supportive of the situation. So we're, we're extremely happy and um, feel very fortunate for that.
2: And is it too early to know or to predict, I guess, as Ana Cafe might do, what the effects of the volcanic eruption will be on the next coffee harvest?
1: Just with um, the data that I shared right now, um, we're seeing about you know 1.27% of the exportable, exportable harvest for 2018-19, which is Approximately 57,150 quintales and quintales are 46 kilogram bags. Um, But in the future, there's no, uh, I guess, um, we don't have any analysis yet as far as like a five-year harvest um, estimate.
2: And I wonder what can coffee do? in a situation like this or the industry community that maybe a disaster relief organization couldn't because I imagine that you know we're not the only ones who saw this happen and jumped into fixing mode and thinking, what can we do? But with coffee, do we have a different opportunity than um, an organization that focuses on humanitarian aid or that focuses on some sort of um, environmental mitigation?
1: Definitely, and you know, I think it's it's kind of beautiful in its own way because um, I think we're all in coffee to, to to make some kind of impact, and and coffee is is such a integral part of people's lives here in in Guatemala. Uh, sometimes it's the only economic opportunity for families, uh, especially surrounding uh, the volcano area. A lot of uh, small Uh, A lot of farmers that produce coffee in small areas. Um, So the opportunity is great. I mean, coffee wise, this is a truly sustainable um, product in the sense that it's not just a a help, a helping hand. I mean, this is something that's part of their lives, which they can grow and dedicate and have an income from.
2: So, can you say a little bit more about the total kind of economic contribution of coffee, and and maybe that's at a national level, but it could also be more specifically when you talk about the smallholder farmers, for example, for whom coffee is providing the majority of their income or all of their income. Then, um, you know, what is the, what do you feel like the Industry's role in supporting that and and sustaining that should be
1: well. If we're looking at it uh, from a numbers point of view, uh, of the one hundred twenty five thousand coffee producers that we we identify here in Guatemala, we're talking about one hundred twenty one thousand of those are smallholder farmers. Um, so so definitely, I think that that needs to be our our focus, but. Uh, we can't just think of them as farmers. We have to think of them as families because, at the end of the day, they're they're all types of family. And um, coffee producers here in Guatemala have to find ways to be sustainable. So most of the time, the families involved in in some sort in in their business, which is which is coffee. I think the the industry's the industry's role. I mean, is is definitely a a, a tough question because. Uh, we've seen more and more people focusing on, on direct trade efforts and trying to make more of an impact here in Origin, but we, we still need more of that. Um, we need more investment uh, on sustainability, more investment here at, at Origin, and and more generally, like a more Origin-focused shift, in my opinion.
2: So you mentioned direct trade. Do you feel like that evolution of more of a relationship between buyers and sellers is that has that been a positive thing in your perspective you know is it creating new opportunities and um, and how widespread are the effects when you mentioned 125,000 families
1: well when we when we talk about uh direct trade I, I think it definitely has has made an impact on on Guatemalan farmers and producers but uh, I think the impact is still is still small in the sense that it's uh, still a few number of coffee farmers that are participating in direct trade. So we have to be very realistic that um, it's not everybody or it's a very small minority who's participating yeah. in direct trade. And then also, like, uh, there's a lot of misconceptions that I think uh, you know every farmer should pursue direct trade when sometimes that's not the best uh, economic sustainable thing to do for the farmer. Uh, they might depend on pre-financing. Uh, they might need a better access to cash flow, depending how the direct trade is actually set up too, whether you're utilizing an importer or exporter that you have to take into consideration, as we all know, on on whether it's the best uh, thing for, for you as a farmer.
2: Yeah, I think it probably can't be said often enough that farms are different, you know, that there's no one size fits all approach to farming and to what's going to make coffee production sustainable. But because of the position that you have at Ana Cafe and the number of different producers of diverse sizes that you get to come into contact with on a regular basis, I wonder whether you see any challenges in common across Guatemala when it comes to sustainability, you know, are there things that growers really share or things that are universal um that industry might have a role in um in addressing in order for the Guatemalan coffee sector to be sustainable at all of these different levels?
1: Definitely I think if we're looking at it like on a very like macro level or or the basics, I think of I think of like the foundation of how the coffee um, kind of chain is set up. The the participation or the incentive for a producer to produce better coffee or or to see results is is very far away from from the final product. So this kind of long coffee chain it makes it very hard to provide a kind of economic incentive for the coffee producer which is a, at the at the beginning nationally in Guatemala like you could say like just uh the national problems or this could be across Central America and other producing countries I think like uh formalization or formal coffee producers legally registered having access to licenses export licenses these are all things that we uh, obstacles that we face at a national level here in Guatemala, but I would say, like the inherent nature of the coffee chain, like the incentives are are more in consuming countries because that's where the brands are, that's where the companies are, so they're always going to have the the ultimate incentive.
2: So I do want to bring it back to the volcanic eruption because I'm interested to know about some of the specific needs when it's come to recovery. Um, can you give us a sense of what that's entailed, maybe what Anacafé's role has been in, in supporting recovery on coffee farms? So specifically on an agronomic front,
1: we're looking at it by the different classifications which we're giving these areas from total loss, high, medium, and low loss. Uh, the areas that were impacted were Antigua and the Acatenango Guatemalan coffee regions, uh, the municipalities there are San Juan Alotenango, San Miguel Dueñas, Ciudad Vieja, San Pedro y Epocapa, Atenango, Sinkinala, Y la Aldea del Rodeo, and Escuintla. And just to give everybody a little bit of perspective, uh, their majority of producers were just beginning their harvest, and this is from September to May. So the agronomic decisions that we have to make are, are because of, of this fact. So um, the total loss areas, some of them are not um, suitable for replanting. Uh, high impact areas, uh, we will have to do a lot of replanting. So we're looking at um, total, total new crops there. Uh, medium impact, uh, we're looking at stumping, different stumping techniques, and also we will have to. Um, act with fertilizers to get the plants basically recovered.
2: So it sounds like there is a diversity of need. Um, again, kind of fitting that theme that we touched on earlier about there not being a one size fits all approach to farm economics or to even to volcano recovery. Definitely. Um, and, and this is just the agronomic front.
1: So we're also working with a lot of industry members on specific projects and partnerships uh, into which we're we're implementing different methodologies that we've we've developed, um, which include both agronomic and and social
2: um, factors. So I've seen some companies and individuals responding to the volcanic eruption by, say, hosting a latte art throw down and donating proceeds to Fun Cafe's recovery effort, but are there other examples of things that maybe members of our audience could do to support the recovery? Um, you know, I'm sure that donating it directly is one of those, but um, can you give us any examples of projects or of buying models that will support coffee producers from the affected region further into the future?
1: Uh, definitely, Kim. So here at, at uh, Fun Cafe, which is our foundation for rural development, uh, through through the years of kind of experience of the foundation, uh, we've developed a methodology called Cafe, which implements both the economic side and then social side as well. So we're talking about food um, safety um, issues. And so a lot of industry members have actually partnered with us on specific projects, implementing this SOAR methodology. So we're able to not only uh, focus on the agronomic side, but we're also working on the, on the I guess, betterment of, of the human conditions of, of these farmers. Um, and then I would say like on a general level, like as companies, definitely I think sustaining like your, your buying efforts in Guatemala, um, specifically from coffees coming through antigua it is a really uh, great way to to show your support um, especially if you if you've seen that some of the partners in supply chain might might be affected by this I know that, um, you know it might be easier to to switch to another origin or or if something happens to to change your buying habits but but definitely sustainable uh buying um, consistency that really helps.
2: Yeah, we started this conversation talking about the eruption of the Fuego volcano. And it seems like natural disasters, whether they're climatic events like hurricanes or volcanic eruptions or pest outbreaks are occurring more and more frequently. Some of them exacerbated by climate change and they're disproportionately affecting coffee producers. Is there an opportunity with an event like this one to raise awareness about some of the other challenges that producers are facing on that sort of systemic level about access to financing or export licenses? Is there a relationship here or are natural disasters just these random occurrences that arise and then are replaced by something else in the news cycle?
1: No, I, I think you're right. I think there's definitely a relationship. Uh, I think what's most interested, interesting, like you mentioned, is that I, I think the foundation is not solid for, for coffee farming or at least in, in some Central American countries where we are located. So when you have these kind of uh, either Roya outbreaks or uh, the situation with the Volcano Fuego, I mean, the, the impact is is multiplied. Um, you know, if we had a solid foundation of, of sustainability, um, you know, there were to be an impact, but it would be a lot easier to to recover or to keep going. But I think these these disasters or or what happens is that I mean, since the foundation isn't isn't so strong, they tend to have kind of a multiplying
2: effect. Absolutely. Well, about the audience to this podcast, is there anything that you would recommend that they do for the coffee producers of Guatemala or that they learn about coffee production and challenges or basically any specific recommendations that you have and that you'd like to share? Uh,
1: yes, definitely. I think specifically uh, we need people to be invested um, in origin. So whether that means uh having a more flexible business where where you can come and spend more time at origin, uh, having more uh, flexibility in that manner. I think we really have to look at um, the investment down here, coffee is being produced. And I think we've seen from from the industry that the companies that have continued to innovate, they have had more of an origin focus which translates to their product, which translates to their consumer. So the, the more origin focused we can get, the better products we can finally provide to our consumer base. So I would say, um, let's try to, to make our businesses more flexible, let's try to spend more time in origin, try to have investment uh, perhaps in farms and, and different uh, activities down here.
2: I love that. You know, when you said investment earlier, I admit that I was thinking about that on more of a project basis, like investing in some sort of um, water security or um, technical assistance or some other project or program. And um, and the way that I understand it now is is more about a holistic business approach, which I think does really speak to long-term sustainability. And a much more integrated vision for the coffee industry of the future. Is that fair to say? Do you, did I get that right?
1: Yeah. Yes, definitely. And uh, I mean, we need investment as well, so I don't get in trouble for that part. But <laughs> but definitely, I think on a on a holistic level, um, it's not as it's not as simple as just like identifying and saying, okay, we're going to work on this project and and saying that from a company not being in, in Guatemala, for example. Um, and if you talk to business owners or you know entrepreneurs, um, I don't think there's a single answer to, to solutions for the business. It's things that they figured out along the way. So I do think that we need, uh, like you said, like holistically people people down here invested in, in finding solutions. Um, I think that's a that's a really good way for the future.
2: I totally agree, Alejandro. Thanks so much for joining us today. If the audience wanted to learn more about the work that you do or donate to disaster relief, since we did begin the show talking about the volcano, although we did veer from that somewhat, where could they find you online or find links to donate?
1: So specifically. Um, we are still accepting uh, donations for the Volcan de Fuego relief. Uh, this is implemented through Fumcafe, which is our social branch um, of Ana Cafe. And that could be done at funcafe.org. Uh, you click on the donations tab, and then we have a partnership with the Give Joy to One Foundation. So you can click on that link and you can get through PayPal or your credit card information. Um, And then more in general, if you want to follow our work here in Guatemala, you can follow us at Guatemalan Coffees on Twitter and Instagram. And then myself at Dromolina, D-R-O-M-O-L-I-N-A, at Instagram and Twitter.
2: All right. Well, thanks again so much. And um, I look forward to the next time we get to talk.
1: As always, such a pleasure, Kim, and thank you.
0: That was SEA's Chief Sustainability Officer, Kim Elena Llanescu, speaking with Alejandro Molina, Sustainability and Market Access Coordinator at ANACAFé, Guatemala's National Coffee Association. Alejandro joined Kim Elena by phone from Guatemala. Check out our show notes to find the links Alejandro mentioned and to learn about various ways you can support Guatemala's coffee sector in this time of need. This has been the SCA Podcast, brought to you by members of the Specialty Coffee Association. I'm Vicente Partida. Thank you so much for listening.